Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series dedicated to helping all of us talk more openly about money. Each show features a special guest who will share with you one of their favorite money myths. Then together, we'll discuss how to bust that myth wide open. My name is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am your host. My company is KBK Wealth Connection, and it's committed to helping women, couples, families, and their financial team shatter money taboos and learn how to effectively talk about money. Today, it's my honor to be joined by Michelle McKinnon. She um, has done a lot. She invited me onto her podcast show, um, but let me read her official bio, and then we'll welcome her officially to the call. Uh, Michelle McKinnon is a financial advisor with Payne Capital Management and has been with the firm for over five years. She hosts a weekly podcast series called Smart Women, which you definitely should check out, as well as she hosts related events in New York City. Through this outlet, she focuses on helping women manage their finance with ease. Michelle was raised in Tampa, Florida, graduated from the New York University, and is a member of the New York Junior League, an organization of women that focuses on volunteering within the New York City community. Welcome, Michelle, to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We got to do this uh, a little bit uh, where, you know, you interviewed me. So now it's kind of fun to try to bust a money myth wide open. And I know today your myth that you picked that we're going to be focusing on is I don't need to save for retirement because I have Social Security. That is an interesting myth. So tell me a little bit about why you picked that myth. Well, I feel like through my relationships and my clients, that's always in the back of their mind that, you know, well, if I don't save enough, I'll always have Social Security to step in and make up the difference. And yes, I don't think Social Security is going anywhere. Uh, Maybe for my generation, I am a little bit younger. Uh, It might change. It might have a delayed uh, start date, like versus starting at 65. Maybe it'll be delayed till 80 or 85. Who knows? Uh, But I just, I I hate and I cringe at the thought that people rely on that so heavily because truly the amount of money that you're going to be getting from Social Security is not that much and especially with inflation and especially rising healthcare costs, it's just not going to cut it. Uh, So it's really been motivating to try to convince my clients that we really need to take proactive steps uh, to save on top of social security and especially Kathleen that you know pensions are a dying breed you know you don't have those guaranteed incomes coming in anymore I mean really social security is the only income stream pension like income stream that we have nowadays so I really hear that you have a passion for retirement planning and making sure that people are really being proactive and thinking about it and I know that your firm Uh, is very holistic in their approach and really um, is able to drill down into those specifics around retirement. But before we get into that, I'm curious, um, you know, you talked a little bit about how this myth can negatively impact you, but let's talk about, is there any way in which thinking I don't need to save for retirement uh, based on the fact that I have Social Security, is there any way in which that could be helpful for a client, even if it's in the short term? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, yes, you will have Social Security. And as long as you can potentially cut back on your expenses, and if you're willing to take that exercise of saying, okay, could I actually 
live my life on $1,700 a month. I mean, I think in some ways that is a good exercise to actually think about, could you live on that? And of course, I mean, we can all budget and we could potentially all move, you know, to Florida um, where I'm from and, you know, have a very, very small mortgage and really cut back on the expenses. So I would say that's the, that's a, a positive and a negative. And then the other side, not necessarily a positive Kathleen, but I mean, I understand that it, it is hard to think about the long term and it is hard to think about, you know, the day when you won't be making money. But I mean, the reality is uh, that hopefully someday we will all be retired and, you know, we have to have a backup plan. Absolutely. And, you know, I wonder, you know, when I think about money psychology and I think about any time somebody believes in a myth and it usually serves them and it, it often gets in the way or sabotages their financial health. And certainly we're going to focus a little bit more on how this sabotages your financial health. But I think in the short run, um, there's there's a false sense of security that someone might get from thinking this. It really, in the short run, takes stress away because you don't think I have to, I don't really have to do anything. Um, but ultimately in the long run, as you said, it really can become a problem. So have you seen this in particular cases become a problem longer term? Uh, or can you give us an example of how this might really sabotage somebody's financial future? I think the sabotage comes in when people actually don't know how much they're spending and that they assume that, oh, yes, they can live on you know that Social Security check. Um, so that would be one that they just they, they don't know how much they're spending and they just jump to the conclusion that, OK, I may be spending, you know, ten thousand dollars a month while I'm working. However, I'll definitely cut that in half, at least in half when I retire. And, and I mean, yes, usually mortgages will go away and college ed education will be paid for, hopefully for your children. But really, I don't see my retirees spending significantly less. I often see case by case, month by month, year by year, they often spend more. Um, so I, I think, again, it gives us that false sense of security. We just immediately assume, oh, my gosh, we're not going to be spending anything. And especially when we're 75, um, we won't be spending a dime. And the reality is it, it that's just not true. Um, in my practice, I have, I think, my oldest client, uh, 97, um, and he still is up and walking. I have another client in their um, he's 90, his wife is 88, and he still takes her dancing every Tuesday. So <laughs> I love you that. Know, I, I think the sabotage really comes in that, you know, we're living longer, one, and two, unless you want to sit home and knit, which I don't think we do, um, we're going we're gonna to need probably the same amount of money that we're spending now. Well, you know, what's interesting, what, what jumped into my mind is two things when you were talking. One is um, uh, two weeks ago, I was speaking at the Investment News Retirement Income Summit, and I was talking about uh, helping advisors help women uh, plan for retirement. And so one of the things I talked about was the fact that retirement in itself as a word is kind of a little outdated. And that if you mm -hmm. think about this next phase of life, and you highlighted it with, you know, the couple uh, that's elderly and still goes dancing, that this next phase of life is really almost like a reinvention or, uh, you know, a time to do more, not necessarily less. So really, it sounds like you are passionate about helping people plan for that and being kind of realistic around that. Yeah, and I think we as humans, um, we need to stay active. And, you know, I, I think we're all going to live a long time because of obviously advances in healthcare. However, 
the worst would be, okay, we live to our 85, 90, but it's not the quality of life that we want, right? And I personally think that if you stay active, you stay passionate about something through retirement, and that passion could be as simple as grandkids, right? I mean, they can take up a lot of time and truly bring joy, um, but you need to find passion, you need to find focus, and therefore, most likely, you'll need to spend money to, to keep that lifestyle and to keep that drive because, again, I, I want to have my clients, yes, living into their 90s, but I also want them to have, you know, wonderful and um, fantastic lives through their 90s, too. Well, you're also talking to somebody that you don't know this, but that uh, my grandmother on my mother's side lived to 103 and lived alone uh, wow. till 102 and a half. And then the, the flip side of the family, I had an Aunt Alice who lived to, I think it was hundred and four or five. So I've certainly seen longevity and um, people stay very active for a very long time. So I think that's a really great gift that you're giving your clients the ability to kind of support that. Now, because we're both in kind of women in wealth and women in investing, I'm curious, in terms of the myth, I don't need to save for retirement. Do you find that there's any gender split? You know, do women believe this more than men or vice versa? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say I find that women believe it more. However, women often can budget better. Um, so yes, women always feel that they can rely on Social Security. However, and again, I'm, I'm not being sexist because I think some men I've come across can budget fantastically. Um, however, I think because of women, they've had to raise children, they've had to balance so many things, and especially um, nowadays, women are working, are you know raising children, are taking care of aging parents. That they're having to to balance so many different things that budgeting can come pretty easy to them. Uh, so I think yes, Social Security that myth is more woman prone. However, on the flip side, I think that women tend to budget better. So maybe the fact that they believe in that myth more maybe not hurt them as much. But I will say this: um, that I think will eventually hurt women in the end is that, you know, women outlive men like eight to 10 years. So um, the fact that we're living longer and the idea that maybe Social Security will be able to cut it is, is probably not true. So kind of a double answer there, Kathleen. No, no, that makes sense to me, though, that, um, and, and, you know, I know you're talking in generalities and our listeners know that as well, that there's always exceptions. But if you, especially if you look at the traditional generation or even later boomers, you do find that, you know, in terms of traditionally, the husband would earn the money and the woman would budget for the household. So it kind of makes yes. sense to me. And yes, gender roles are shifting and changing. And, and that certainly is not true for every couple. But I think that's important um, to know that uh, that's both a, a strength as well as potentially a challenge when it comes to women investors. So, you know, what I'm curious about, because you meet with a lot of people, is um, how you actually help uh, listeners, like somebody's listening right now and they're saying, oh, you know what? I don't need to save for retirement because I have social security. And as they're hearing us talk, they're realizing, ooh, that's not always so helpful. So I'm curious, what tips or tools would you have or advice would you give to them if they wanted to start to chip away and bust that myth open for themselves? Great question. And I would say, actually look at your expenses. Um, that is the first exercise that I do with every single client and I do it every single year that actually look at every single dollar that you're doing. Um, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. 
Um, however, take a few months and actually track every dollar that's going in and out of your bank account because once you realize what you're spending, you can then come to the conclusion and say, okay, let me go on to the Social Security online, see what type of money I could potentially bring in from Social Security, and is it even close, right? That is just the first exercise, honestly. See what you're spending, map it out, and, and be honest, right? You know, don't cut corners when you're figuring out how much you're spending. <laughs> don't cheat. It's like when the nutritionist don't asks cheat. you to write down, you know, what you're eating in a day and you start cheating. It's interesting when you said it's not going to be fun because um, I think unless you have a money personality where you really like to track, like, the details, it probably won't be fun. Um, but what do you do or how do you coach clients that are like, oh, I don't want to do that, or maybe they say they're going to do that, and as you're reviewing it, you find out that they shaved some expenses off. H how do you help them push through that? Because I think that's where you know a financial planner can really be helpful. I have a really nice worksheet. Um, so that would be step one, that I, I have every single possible expense that you could probably imagine on a sheet, and I make them fill it out. Um, I also, often, especially for um, kind of my younger clients here in New York City, we, we tend to put everything on a credit card. And I would say that that's pretty common today anyways um, for multi-generational. I, I ask them to bring in their annual credit card statement. Um, I ask them to print it out, go online, you know, give me your annual credit card statement because that can give me a good feel for, okay, how much are you spending? And then we can work back. Or if they don't even want to do that, I'll simply ask them, okay, what are you bringing home? What's your take home? What are you actually bringing into your bank account every month and what's left over at the end of the month? That can give us a really easy way of saying, how much are you spending? You know, what just popped into my mind is that there's a lot of women who um, worry about running out of money in retirement. I know that's a different myth. Um, but what you're talking about is doing this expense planning and helping them see, along with their partners, what it, to be really mindful, to see what is coming in and what's going out. And um, I think that that must really help those women who fear they're going to run out of money. And the latest statistic I've seen on that is like 48 to 60% of women, no matter what their socioeconomic status is, worry about that. So do you ever see somebody come in who maybe feels like they don't need to save, but when you start getting into the expenses, they start to get kind of anxious? Um, and if that's the case, you know, do you find that this exercise helps them? Yes, and I and I and I even think that statistic is higher uh, because most of every single one of my female clients worries, 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 worries about money. I think it's just nature. <laughs> I know my my myself. You know, of course, I'm worrying about, um, you know, okay, what would happen if if I can't continue to do my job? Like, can I pay the rent? How long can I pay my rent for? You know, you know, we all do those calculations every, you know, waking moment it feels like sometimes. So I think women, it might even be 100% that worry about running out of money. Um, so that would be point one. But yeah, point two, I think once the exercise is completed, there is a sense of relief that they've at least acknowledged their expenses. And then lastly, I usually like to leave my clients saying that, okay, um, maybe you are spending an absurd amount of money and maybe you are way over budget and they do feel very anxious. Um, but that's my job to show them, you know, anything's possible, right? Anything can be cut back. Any of our expenses can be cut back if we really try. Um, and again, as long as you start early, there, there, 
I really haven't seen a case that I, I can't help them at all, right? Usually, as long as we start with a reasonable amount of time before retirement, I can make a plan, I can plot out an agenda for us to start saving. And, you know, what I find is so helpful that, you know, I was working with a couple the other day and they're spending like $500,000 a year and they need to at least cut back $100,000 of that. And, you know, that's, that's a, pre- a lot of money for this couple. Um, however, instead of me saying, okay, you know, next year I expect that we have $100,000 left over, you know, in your money market that we can invest, you know, we start small, right? We, we discuss maybe contributing, maxing out their 401k as a step one. And then maybe step two, deducting 1000 a month into their, you know, from their checking into their money market account. So it's just, again, I think I usually see that anxiousness <laughs> in my clients, but um, as long as we create a plan, and especially for women, we love to plan, <laughs> um, we usually find that there is relief at the end of the conversation. Which, which is exactly the reason to go and be proactive. If you have this myth and you are sitting there thinking, you know, I don't even know if I should save for retirement. It's a great example of, you know, going in, meeting with a financial planner and being able to really look at it. Because I find that often whatever we're feeling about our relationship with money gets better when you share it with somebody who can then give you some tips and tools. And I know sometimes people feel like, oh, they're going to tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And, you know, uh, certainly Michelle, excuse me, does not take that approach. Um, One last question before we kind of uh, uh, end here today. I'm wondering what age do you think that people should start saving for retirement? And the reason that I ask that is I have actually had an experience when I was younger of being told I was too young to think about it. So I'm curious your opinion. What age should men and women start thinking about this? Oh, too young. Whoever told you that is wrong. (laughs) Exactly. I moved to a different financial planner. Yes, yes. And that was probably the best idea that you could do. And, And I think you know, the phrase of like you mentioned that the traditional phrase of retirement, I think is obsolete. Um, We often like to say, and this is kind of cheesy, but financial independence, right? The fact that um, maybe you don't have to do the same job. Maybe you could work for charity, um, you know, something that you're a bit more passionate about. Um, So it's not that traditional, oh, you're going to retire to Florida and play golf. Because I think, especially for even maybe my generation, for when you were in your, your 20s and 30s, that idea didn't seem attractive. So why would you save for that point? Um, I, I think now saying that, okay, I am saving for a day that I don't have to work nine to five at a job that maybe I don't like, or maybe I could do a job from nine to five that I so really kind of creating... So, so I think once we put it in that perspective, any yeah. time is a good time. So really, I love the way you put that because it's really creating a vision of, okay, so what am I saving for? And it's the next phase of life, but it doesn't have to be this, This I think for most of us, not all of us, a very outdated image of what we'll be doing uh, in retirement or in that next phase of life. Um, so... Michelle, you've offered such great tips and tools, and our time often goes so fast. So can you tell the listeners how they can find out more about you and your work? Absolutely. Uh, We have a fantastic brand new website, so I definitely encourage everyone to check it out. It's pain, P-A-Y-N-E, C-M, like capitalmanagement.com. And we do have a whole section on our smart women brand that, you know, educates women as well as you can find uh, Kathleen's amazing podcast on there as well. Thank you. Thank and then you. you can always just, yeah, of course, it was one of the top, of course. Um, and then feel free to use my email for any questions. And it's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E 
Dot McKinnon, M-C-K-I-N-N-O-N at painscamp.com. Excellent. Well, definitely check out what Michelle is up to. I, I really love the whole smart, smart women branding, obviously, um, and the podcast. And I think there's some really great resources on that website. I also know that Michelle is on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And so uh, for those folks who really like social media and are looking for um, somebody who brings passion as well as kind of an energy uh, to saving for this next phase of life, definitely check her out. Uh, so thank you so much, Michelle, for being here today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Um, This is Breaking Money Silence, and I am Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I'm a wealth psychology expert and author, and I'm very dedicated to getting people talking openly about money matters. In fact, my next book will be written on this topic. So for more information about my book, speaking, and services, or to sign up to receive this podcast automatically into your inbox, please visit my website at kbkwealthconnection.com. Dot com. And remember, together, we can break money silence.